Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I have to admit today I'm a little bit fired up. I don't get angry much, but I'm a little bit angry today. And I think this probably happens around this time each and every year where you've just sort of waited as long for college football as you can wait. And at a certain point, you're just sort of like, you know, fever pitch, ready to be sort of shot out of a cannon. You're ready to see your team play and kind of get into the mix and do what we do, which is argue about college football with some actual games to kind of argue about. I think we're kind of the boiling point of the preseason. It's a good thing the practice is beginning here this week. It's a good thing that the uh, first game against Oregon's kind of right there around the corner. All of that is really good because I'm not quite so sure how much longer I can wait before we finally get some actual red meat to consume here which is watching Georgia going out there and trying to do what it did a year ago which is win the national championship and with that in mind let me kind of explain why I'm fired up today so CBS put out it's like power rating or whatever you call it ranking I guess it's not a preseason poll this is like a rank or like a rating of all and there are now 131 teams in uh, FBS congratulations to the James Madison Dukes who are moving into the FBS category I believe they're playing in the Sun Belt this year uh, but the Dukes of James Madison become the 131st team in the FBS category and CBS has got them rated all uh, on their website there at cbssports.com now here's the thing that makes me a little bit angry I don't have to tell you where Georgia's ranked most of you already know and you haven't seen the story uh you don't you know you don't know what it is or you don't see haven't seen the ratings but you kind of already know where Georgia is because Georgia is that's the same spot in this rating as they are everywhere else they are third they are behind Alabama and they are behind Ohio State now let me say this with the Alabama Crimson Tide here for a moment if you want to say as a neutral observer or just a person that has an opinion about college football if you want to say that Alabama is better than Georgia it's your right to do that um Honestly, opinions related to Alabama and Georgia don't mean all that much to me because eventually, if things go according to plan, these two teams will play at least one. So maybe I think Georgia is better than Alabama. Maybe you think Alabama is better than Georgia. But one way or another, there will be a scoreboard result on a field somewhere we think eventually that settles all of that. The opinions related to the dogs and the Crimson Tide are relatively meaningless because we believe eventually this will be settled on the field. In the case of Ohio State, though, that's less true. Ohio State has kind of existed in the orbit of college ball playoff contenders, but last year they were kind of nowhere to be found when the postseason began. So the comparison between Georgia and Ohio State is a little more um, figurative, I guess. It's, it's a little more subjective. It's one of those things where the opinions on this probably matter a little bit more because really opinion is kind of all we have. We haven't seen Georgia and Ohio State play head-to-head since 1992. This is simply a beauty contest of who favors one over the other. And the fact that understanding all of that, that it seems to be like unanimous that Ohio State is better than Georgia, I find to be ludicrous. And that doesn't mean that Ohio State won't you know, win the national championship this year. They clearly could. But the notion that virtually everyone with kind of the blue check next to their name or sort of everyone who gets to kind of do these rating services or rankings, whatever else for a living, they're all just sure that Ohio State is better than Georgia. The fact that the opinion is so unified and so unanimous, I find to be a little bit weird. And I've kind of touched on this a little bit before, that you almost get the perception here this could be a little bit of a bias against Georgia. And so 
This morning, what I tried to do when sometimes I get fired up, I kind of go down rabbit holes this morning. What I tried to do to begin our show is try to find some evidence for why it is that so many people, virtually everyone who kind of does this stuff at the national level is just sure that Ohio State is better than Georgia. Let me tell you what I found. I believe I have found verifiable proof of bias against UGA. And I say this somewhat, you know, tongue in cheek, but nonetheless, verifiable proof of bias against UGA. Now, it's not intentional bias because the people that are speaking in some respects aren't necessarily even the same people. But it does sort of, I think, point to this common belief that sort of seems to be floating in the atmosphere of college football that just sort of seems to give credit to the Buckeyes, ranked ahead of Georgia, that does not seem to go in terms of giving credit to UGA. Now, after I kind of lay all this out, I'm going to explain to you why I believe that matters. But let me use this as evidence. Now, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show, although this offseason, for whatever reason, we just didn't do it. I guess we were just too busy. As you know, the magazine Athlon Sports, it's like the preseason magazine. I like old school preseason magazines, kind of always will. And one of my favorite aspects of any of the preseason magazines, and Athlon does this really well, it's the anonymous coach quotes. Let's go get anonymous coaches who will be more candid if they don't have to give their name. And let's ask them about the teams around the country, and they'll say interesting stuff because they can do so under the cloak of anonymity. And when you look at these anonymous coaches talking about Georgia and Ohio State, I think it's very revealing. I think it is revealing of the larger belief system that seems to be existing out there in college football. And I said before, I think it seems to be a little bit of a bias against UGA. So let me give you three quick examples here, and then I'm going to try to explain to you why all of this matters and what all of this means of Ohio State seemingly getting the benefit of the doubt in a way that Georgia doesn't. Now, first of all, here's what you know is that Ohio State and Georgia are almost opposite teams, right? Like Ohio State, great offense last year, pretty lousy defense. The perception of Georgia was great defense, but just enough offense, even though somewhat statistically speaking, that wasn't true. But that's kind of the caricature that gets drawn of both these teams. Got to understand that going into this. So here's an anonymous coach from the Big Ten quoted by Athlon about Ohio State saying, last year, this was one of the best college offenses possible. And even losing NFL receivers, they're still deep at that position. It's insane. Now, this may be true. It probably is. Ohio State seems to reload defensively each and every year. But listen to the way in which Georgia, not the same coaches, but the same publication, listen to the way that Georgia coming into this season isn't given the same I guess, benefit of the doubt on the side of the ball in which they were strongest a year ago. So we're told by the anonymous coach in the Big Ten that no matter how much they lose offensively, they're going to still be deep because they're so insanely talented. But on Georgia's defensive side of the ball, the anonymous coach that's quoted here says, losing Dan Lanning as defensive coordinator isn't going to really hurt. But losing all those NFL players up front sure as hell will. Hold on. How are we so sure before a season begins that Ohio State's going to easily replace what it lost on offense, and they lost you know, a good bit from the wide receiver spot. But Georgia's somehow going to have trouble replacing what it lost on defense. Now, maybe that ends up being true. We don't, you know, haven't seen all the games play yet. But why would Ohio State naturally get the benefit of the doubt on one side, whereas Georgia kind of doesn't naturally get that same benefit of the doubt on the other? Has Georgia recruited defensive players at a lower clip than Ohio State's recruited offensive players? I'd suggest not. 
Um, I would suggest if there's benefit of the doubt to be given, it probably belongs equally on both sides. Will Ohio State have great receiver play this year? Yes, because they almost always do. But as objective as I'm capable of being, will Georgia have great defensive play this year? I'm going to give you the same answer. Yes, Georgia will have great defensive play this year because much like the Buckeyes when it comes to wide receivers, they almost always do. But that's not the biggest example of bias as unearthed here by Athlon Sports as kind of a picture of the way in which these two teams are talked about on a fairly regular basis. Once again, anonymous coach being quoted about Georgia here. Let's look at the offensive side of the ball for a moment. And these aren't the same coaches saying this about the Buckeyes and the Dogs, but they do represent sort of the common line of thinking that seems to exist out there. Anonymous coach quoted about Georgia. The quarterback is back. Doesn't even mention his name. The quarterback is back. But one of the worst things that can happen after a successful season or a title run is when a good but not great quarterback comes back. Everyone is expecting an advancement that might not be possible, this coach says. Remember, there were times last season they won in spite of the offense. I'd actually like to go back and see the game in which Stetson Bennett played, in which Georgia won in spite of the offense, but uh, nonetheless. Uh, So when it comes to Stetson Bennett, the Georgia fans hoping for offensive improvement, well, it just might not be possible. Forget the fact that Georgia was like fifth in the country in offensive efficiency last year, eighth in points scored. This improvement you're hoping to see, it might just not be possible. Now compare this to where they talk about the Ohio State defense, which barely made the top 40 a year ago. A defense that was barely inside the top 40 by almost any metric you want to look at. So here's what the anonymous coach quoted by Athlon Sports says about the Ohio State defense as deficient as it was. The sole issue that kept them out of the playoffs last year has been fixed. Before the season even begins, it's already fixed? Are you just so sure of that? He says it's all about how fast the new defensive coordinator Jim Knowles, who is a respected coach we don't deny that coming over from Oklahoma State it's just simply all about how fast he gets them fit for what he wants I mean imagine this degree of uh, of benefit of the doubt being extended towards Ohio State their defense last year was just downright bad Georgia by comparison the only crime the offense committed was just not being as good as its defense was but Georgia was still eighth in points scored and within the top five in every efficiency metric across the board but somehow anonymous coach talking about the Georgia offense says ah there's only so much improvement you can expect whereas the Ohio State defense which was just downright lousy embarrassingly so frankly downright lousy and yet once again anonymous coach quoted about the buck the Buckeye says hey, the sole issue that kept him out of the playoff a year ago, it's already fixed. Don't need to play the games. It's already fixed. We're sure about this. We're so sure that we're going to rank them ahead of Georgia in every single poll that comes out. That's beyond insane. I was going to read you another quote here, but I feel like I've made the point here. That that somehow, some way, there is this benefit of the doubt for whatever reason extended to a team like Ohio State that does not seem to be extended to a team like Georgia. And I believe these anonymous coaching quotes are evidence of that but here's where the news gets good for georgia fans last year was kind of the same thing going into last season there were also very few people who thought georgia was going to really do anything if you remember georgia was fifth in the preseason coaches poll now they didn't have a great year in 2020 so that's maybe you know part of the reason why 
But there weren't very many people really at all predicting Georgia to do anything a year ago. In fact, so much so that the one guy who did kind of put himself out there, Peter Burns from the SEC Network, when he actually picked Georgia to win the national championship, that stood as so much of an outlier to us. Wow, there's one guy who actually thinks Georgia may be pretty good this year. We actually brought him on the show to help him make the case for Georgia, considering the fact that that nobody else was doing so. So, you know, the idea that to begin the 2022 season, everybody's so sure that Ohio State's better than Georgia. Hey, maybe this is just an example that history is going to repeat itself. And all of a sudden, no one paying any attention to UGA whatsoever kind of actually works out to be a pretty good thing. In fact, let me give you a reminder of what Peter Burns said to us. We told him, hey, Peter, I'm not sure you're noticing this, but you're really the only guy that seems to believe in Kirby and only only guy that seems to believe in UGA for this year. This is what Burns said about that last year. I am shocked. How in the hell am I the only person that sees what's developing in Athens over the last couple of years and not think that this team is the best team in the country? Like, this was shocking to me, you know, when you reached out and, and I heard that. I mean, I, I don't know if people are so just, you know, laser-focused on 1980, but who the hell cares about if it's been one year, you know, six years or 60 years? Like, the team is the team, and I'm, I'm shocked. And hell, I was shocked they came in at fifth in that in the USA Today Coaches Bowl. Yeah, I'm with Peter Burns on this. I don't quite know why it was true a year ago or why it's true right now. But I will say this. You better overlook Georgia at your own peril. Be careful doing this. Be careful assuming that Georgia's just going to kind of settle into some sort of level below the Ohio State's, the Alabama's, this big showdown that everybody seems to want to see right now. Be careful assuming that Georgia's going to cooperate with that narrative. Be careful assuming that Georgia's going to be content and complacent having, after having won the national championship. Don't assume that Georgia's not going to start getting pretty greedy. And all of a sudden, the taste of a parade late January, moving into early February, that being the kind of thing that Georgia only wants to do once. The impression I get, and you want to go back to SEC media days, I think you got pretty good evidence of that is, is that Georgia actually kind of likes being national champion. And I don't know that Georgia's looking to relinquish its title in that regard anytime soon, nor do I think it's going to slow down at all in terms of its pursuit of its next national championship. And Kirby Smart basically said as much a couple of weeks ago, this was Kirby as a reminder. I've done the rounds this morning. I'll bet you at least 50 people have asked me the question. So feel free when we open up for questions to ask me the concern there is for complacency. That does not concern me in the least, because to be complacent, you have to have done something and achieved something. The men on this team for this season have not done that. They have not. We had 15 players that are now gone to NFL camps or draft picks. They're gone. And we have some returning players, but they're hungry as ever. People have asked the question, how does it feel to be hunted? We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Um, it's not something we're going to sit back and be passive about. Let me ask you an honest question. Does the coach who said that hide under the bed at the thought of playing Ohio State? My guess is he probably doesn't, nor the thought of playing Alabama either. And I realize that there are things way more important in life than the media and, and coaches overrating the Buckeyes. I realize that's, you know, you know, not that serious of an issue, but this is why I am so ready for these games to be played. Because last year, Georgia just went out there week after week after week and showed the world how wrong they were about UGA and put a fact pattern on the table that could not be denied, even though in the aftermath, it seems like people still sort of overlook it from time to time. 
And I really do think as we get close to the start of the season with practice beginning tomorrow, I think they could do it all over again. I, I, I think that if you're if you're underrating UGA, if you're overlooking uh, UGA, you may be about to make just as big a mistake by doing that this year as you would have done last year. And the games that are about to be played may be all the evidence we need of just how true that really is. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Breda Pest Management, and glad to have you with us today, no matter how you get to us, whether it be uh, live on video, we get going 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app, or 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, a lot of video ways to watch the show, a lot of podcast ways to listen to the show, the Apple Player, the Spotify uh, the Google Player. Um, so, so many ways to connect with our program, including on the radio each and every day on Athens, Sports Radio 960. No, no matter how you get to us, we are happy to have you with us as a part of the show. And man, I love our sponsors. I am so thankful for good companies that do great work. And that's what Breda Pest Management is for you there as well. First of all, it's kind of a cool company to be connected to because they're the official pest control provider of UG Athletics. That means they're protecting uh, Sanford Stadium from termites and uh, critters and all that kind of stuff. They do the same thing for all the athletic venues there at uh, UGA, and they can provide that same level of service for you. But but here's what's also, I think, really fun. And this is why when I come on here and, 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 and you know make these recommendations and tell you about these uh, companies, one of the reasons why I'm so enthusiastic about doing that is because I know that my friends at Breda Pass Management can do something for you that you really need right now. You know, they have a huge army of folks working for them. They have unparalleled sort of expertise in this space, you know, dating back to the 1970s, 100-something people working for them. And all of that can be leveraged to actually provide you the kind of service you need at a lower price than maybe you're paying right now. So you got a termite company, you got a pest control company, and your rate's going up. You're getting that letter, that dreaded letter, oh, things are more expensive, blah, blah, blah. That's why you want to make the switch to Breda Pest Management, because they're going to put more money in your pocket right away just for making that decision. It's almost like your own NIL deal, right? When you switch over to Breda Pest Management, you get more money instantly just for doing that. So please find them online. It's BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, and they'll uh, get you saving money and get you well taken care of. Make sure you trust them today. Our buddy Matt Breda, we talked about being excited about the college football season. I know Matt is. I see him at these games all the time. He's a uh, fun fixture at tailgates and a big dog fan, big big uh, local sports fan on the way around. You see him a lot of Braves games, things like that. So good dude for sure, and he employs good people, and they do good work at a great price for you. So check out BredaPest.com for more on that. Speaking of good dudes, we'll talk to our buddy Mike Griffith here coming up in just a moment. We'll do a Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with him, and it's Boy, that word, those two words right there. I mean, how good is that? Practice report. We're very, very close to having some of that going on. We'll preview a lot of that with our buddy Mike Griffith here today. Before that, though, kind of a simple and quick around the doghouse to uh, get us there. Uh, I realize that pro football focus is not everybody's cup of tea. And even for me, I've told you before, I'm just not quite as into some of the analytics stuff as I used to be. Some of this stuff is sort of overly needlessly complicated. Uh, and, you know, Kirby Smart's even cast some sort of skeptical eyes in the direction of pro football focus before. But... <laughs> When they say something we like, we sort of cite it. When they say something that we don't, we criticize it. Uh, um, but one of their guys has given a huge level of praise to Jalen Carter. Now, this matters to me, not just because Georgia fans like hearing good things about good players, but also because of specifically what this might mean. Let me show you. This is Mike Renner, one of their dudes uh, on Twitter, saying that Jalen Carter could challenge Quinnen Williams, former Alabama defense lineman for the best defensive tackle prospect in pro football focus history. Now, that's a huge level of praise, 
And obviously, you hope that Jalen Carter has that kind of season for UGA. But I want to specifically for a moment talk about Quinn and Williams, about why this matters. And one of the points I made going into last year for a guy like Jordan Davis was, who was kind of a defensive tackle earning a lot of you know praise for George at the time, was that in the SEC, the league probably most known for great defensive line play, the best defensive linemen do have stats next to their name. And then if Jordan Davis was going to take the next step of his career, you know, coming up with a bigger stat line might be appropriate for him. And the truth is, is Davis actually achieved his greatness in a slightly different way than I sort of thought that he would. But the overall point still stands is that when you think about the best defensive lineman in recent years in the SEC. You think about guys like Derek Brown, who put up big numbers. You think about Javon Kinlaw at South Carolina, who put up big numbers. And you think about Quinnen Williams. If the guy from Pro Football Focus is saying, hey, we think of Jalen Carter as a Quinnen Williams-level prospect, that could mean something huge for Georgia uh, statistically. Because you can look back at uh, uh, Williams last season in Alabama. He had eight sacks. He had 19 and a half tackles for loss. Y'all, that's the story of the Georgia defense a year ago. It wasn't just good because it didn't give up many points. There are plenty of Georgia defense under Kirby Smart that didn't give up very many points and didn't allow very many yards. This defense last year, the thing that made it exceptional was how dynamic that it was, how impactful that it was. More tackles for loss, more sacks than uh, we'd seen from previous Kirby Smart defenses. This became a defense that had sort of an offensive mindset. They were going out there looking to make something happen, not just prevent something from happening. They were looking to make something happen. And a lot of the guys who contribute to that, sure enough, truly are gone, and you do have to replace them. But when you think about Carter maybe fitting into the kind of stats that a guy like Derrick Brown put up at Auburn or what Ken Law did, or as the PFF guy says, what Quinn and William once did at Alabama, all of a sudden getting back to a similar statistical profile for Georgia here in 2022, if Carter were to travel that kind of path, well, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to be able to do that. So simple point about what's probably Georgia's best player on paper, uh, maybe the stat line to show that before the year is done, kind of fun to consider all of that. Here's what else is fun to consider. The fact that the dogs are getting going on the practice field. We are ready for it all. Our buddy Mike Griffith is there as well. He'll be there for the press conference stuff tomorrow. Gets a chance to do some eyewitness observations of practice, which is always a really fun thing. And we'll ask him right now what he is going to be looking for as we get ready to do a Georgia Farm Bureau practice report with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So fun to be doing this again, our Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, insider update with uh, Mike Griffith here right now, diving into what happens tomorrow when Georgia officially begins its preparations for the upcoming season. And Mike, I'm curious what you want to see from practice. We'll get to that in a moment, which you'll be looking for. But you'll also get a chance to ask Kirby Smart some questions, and you did some of that already SEC media days. But just for the sake of this conversation, What's the one big question you have for Kirby right now as back in Athens, ready to get it going, uh, get a chance to ask Kirby a question tomorrow? What's on your mind related to that? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, just taking it all in. I mean, you know, a lot of times when you get a chance to observe practice, you see a guy or two that will just jump out at you. And I guess I'm as curious as anyone else to see how this team looks. Yeah, you know, when it comes to practice, what are you watching for? Where, Where do your eyes go? What do you want to see? 
Oh, uh, just size and athleticism. I mean, you know, these Georgia offensive lines and defensive lines in the past have, you know, really been big, dominant. You know, you could just see, you know, championship form. I mean, there's just a certain look that national championship programs have, and it always starts up front. So, you know, I guess I'll be interested to see how athletic that offensive line looks and, and see what the, you know, reloaded defensive line looks like. I know that's a big area of concern after you lose three first-round picks off the D-line. So, kind of eyeballing those guys up. I suppose my eyes would go to the linebackers as well and Javon Dumas Johnson and, and see who he's flanked by when they line up in drills with the first and second team just to maybe get a feel for who's impressed Kirby and the staff during the offseason. Yeah, to me, it's almost the exact opposite of like – you know, there are certain sort of like, I don't want to call them superstar players, but they're, you know, household names on the Georgia roster, and we spend a lot of time talking about them. But when it comes to these practice moments, it almost seems like some of the stuff that happens for some of like the bigger names is sort of less interesting to me. And the stuff that I'm kind of most interested in doesn't really move the needle as much from sort of a casual fan standpoint. For instance, I'm very interested to see what happens at the guard spots. You know, that's not going to like sort of, you know, get people necessarily real fired up. But I believe Georgia has one of the better centers in the country when it comes to Cedric Von Prahn Granger. And I think that Georgia could be well taken care of when it comes to its offensive tackles. McClendon, who's been there for a while, and Broderick Jones, who seems ready to step up. But I am not quite so sure what's happening there at guard. And some of that's related to uh, Tate Ratledge's health. But I do believe this offensive line this year has a chance to be better than it was a year ago. And it's the guard spots where I do think that can happen and kind of pave a way for a little bit of an upgrade for the UGA rushing attack and kind of seeing who's either, you know, kind of taking the forefront there or listening to what folks, you know, like Kirby Smart say about all of that. But that's one of those things for me that's not the sexiest topic, I'll admit, but but seeing what happens at guard, I, I think, is one of the most important things in terms of determining, you know, just what the ceiling is for this Georgia offense this year. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I know Warren Eric is a capable guy, and, you know, we've heard a lot about Xavier Trust. There's been some speculation maybe a Marius Mims moves inside. I'd be interested to see if that happens. But, uh, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I think that offensive line is, really pivotal. Um, I think all the other pieces are in place when you look at the skill position players and certainly, uh, you know, Seth and Bennett's, uh, you know, a grown man. I mean, he'll be 25 years old this season. This is his sixth year. So uh, it would appear to me that everything else is in place at Georgia. I uh, just need to make sure that offensive line is as good as you and I think it is. And then you mentioned the linebacker spot. I mean, I think most people expect Jamon Dumas Johnson to at least be a capable starter. I've made the comparison before that, you know, in the second year for a guy like uh, Dumas Johnson, you know, N'Kobe Dean in his second year wasn't the player that he became in his third. Roquan Smith in his second year wasn't the player that he became in his third. So even if the sky is the limit for Jamon Dumas Johnson, that may not be until like a year three type thing until you really see that. That's what previous great linebackers at Georgia have kind of looked like. But the expectation is he would at least be a capable starter and then you start looking at what does that mean for the other one of those interior linebacker spots you know is it a smile mondin back from injury kind of living up to some of the accolades that he had as a recruit you know Xavier sorry is not too far behind in terms of some of that sort of you know pre-uga rival attention veteran players like ryan davis and, and tresman marshall if if i'm kind of going down that list of the position battles the jockeying for playing time that i think is the most interesting inside linebacker because of how valuable a positioning group it was for Georgia a year ago and because of how important it's been on Kirby's best teams inside linebacker might be next on my list there yeah I'd agree with you and I like Jamon Dumas Johnson a lot I mean I think he brings a whole nother element I know that Kobe was 
you know, really fast sideline to sideline. But I look at Dumas Johnson as a guy that really brings the load, really hits hard. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited about him. I think he could be an all-conference all kind of guy this year. Yeah, could uh, very well be. And then, uh, obviously, that'd be you know certainly very good news if that's the case. Because I said before, you look at those best Kirby teams, they sort of had that you know strong play at the inside linebacker spot. And then for me, beyond that, you know, in the secondary, you're obviously trying to figure out what's going to happen at cornerback, obviously, Keely Ringo. And you got a couple of other position battles that are at least going to be, um, you know, pretty intense there in their own right. You know, Darian Kendrick filled a big role for this team a year ago. You know, Kendrick kind of quietly did what he was supposed to do. Got a lot of attention coming to Georgia once the season began. It's almost like he didn't get as much attention as the level of play I think he had maybe even uh, deserved. And that kind of becomes another spot where I think you're, once again, sort of paying pretty close attention to what's happening there. Yeah, I really like uh, Dylan Everett there. I'll be interested to see what Kamari Lasseter does. I know I think he didn't play in the game. I think Kirby said he was ill, but you know, I'll be interested to see what happens there as well. I mean, because, you know, you're really only as good as your corners in Kirby's scheme, the way he likes to bring pressure and sometimes leave those corners out there and, you know, on islands. Uh, or in this case of the match zone, I mean, that requires so much coordination. And, you know, how quickly can these guys really get up to speed? Yeah, I mean, we'll certainly uh, be watching that uh, very, very closely. I was joking about this before you came on, or at least talking about this a little bit. I sort of get the impression is that we head towards the start of the year that a lot of things for Georgia right now feel to me a lot like they did a year ago where I think Georgia was sort of undervalued going into last season and I sort of get the impression right now they're kind of undervalued again. I'm not certainly saying that this season's going to end the way the last seasons did. You have to obviously uh, go out there and play the games to determine that. But that's sort of the impression that I'm getting right now is that hey, maybe Georgia's being overlooked more than the reigning national champion probably should be. What do you think about that? Well, that's interesting because on the one hand, um, you know, they're preseason number three. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty strong. But on the other hand, it doesn't seem like they're, they're given much of a chance to win the title. It kind of seems like, uh, you know, for a lot of folks, uh, you know, Alabama and everyone else and you know, if Bryce Young stays healthy, I, I can understand that. I mean, Will Anderson is, is a really special player, and they bring back battle and they took one of Georgia's most explosive receivers away with Burton. And, you know, the Georgia Tech running back, Gibbs, is a, certainly a talent. So I, I understand that. Uh, and I even understand a lot of the love for Ohio State with C.J. Stroud. So uh, I think people oftentimes, you know, focus a lot on offense and, you know, there were times uh, last year when, when the Georgia offense didn't look so great. Um, it was good enough when it needed to be. Uh, and I think that's going to be a key this year. Uh, I think this offense can take a step, and and uh, I think they probably will. But will they take enough of a step to, to be able to beat an Alabama and Ohio State? Uh, you know, that, that just depends on how quickly this defense grows as the season progresses. So on the one hand, I, I agree with you that, you know, maybe people aren't giving Kirby enough credit when you look at what I think what five top seven finishes in a row. Um, but on the other hand, they are starting season preseason number three, and I don't know that I could vote him any higher than that in good conscience at this point. But I guess that takes us back to something we talked about before, like like why is it just sort of unanimously assumed that Ohio State's better than Georgia frankly I don't care about the Georgia Alabama comparison because we'll see them play head-to-head if all things work according to plan and opinions will be rendered right or wrong based on what happens on the field but 
interesting to me that somehow Ohio State is sort of unanimously given benefits of the Dow and unanimously benefiting from the assumption that they're just you know better than UGA. Why do you think that is, Mike? I think most people, like I said, focus on offense. I think last year was a bit of an outlier. Typically, the best offensive teams win championships, and last year was the best defensive team. It's, it's been a long time since we could say the best. It was the best defensive team. I mean, you look at the previous championship teams with Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and uh, Deshaun Watson, and, and Stetson Bennett doesn't fit that mold. Um, but he's he's good enough. And, and I think he's the starter at Georgia. And when you pair him with a, uh, you know, a, a defense that I believe ranks among the best of all time, that that's good enough to win. But, you know, you lost uh, 15 players to the NFL. That was a record number of guys. You lost five first-round NFL draft picks off your defense. And that was a record number of guys. So, you know, I think people look at that. And then I think you also look at the fact that there's never been a two-loss team that's that's made the college football playoff. And so basically if we're saying that Alabama is the best, which I think most people would agree heading into the season, um, you know, based on what they have returning, that's, that seems logical enough. Uh, then you've got to basically think that Georgia would have to run the table, lose in the SEC championship game and still make the playoff. And yeah, I, I would say the odds are against that, um, you know, based on history, you know, when Ohio state, on the other hand, I, I think we feel like, there's less competition. There's more of a runway for them to get in. And I'd, I'd say probably the same thing about Clemson, Brandon. So I think it has to do with, with being in the SEC with Alabama and, and maybe uh, losing so many guys to the NFL draft. And, you know, really there's no precedent for a team to lose as much talent as Georgia has uh, and, and be as good as it was the year before. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update, our practice with Mike Griffin. Of course, we know as we get ready for the football season, to to all of us, college football is more than a game. And when it comes to Georgia Farm Bureau, they understand that as well. When it comes to your home and your auto insurance and things like that, you want more than an insurance provider there as well. That is what Georgia Farm Bureau is, living and working in communities just like ours all across the state of Georgia, taking good care of all the folks here uh, around the state of Georgia. Uh, That's what Georgia Farm Bureau is all about. Uh, They are always the home team and they're available for you online at gfbinsurance.com that's gfbinsurance.com taking care uh, of us here on uh, dog nation daily each week with our buddy mike griffith and also taking care of you for all your insurance needs check out gfb insurance for a lot more on that that's gfbinsurance.com mike good stuff look forward to reading you uh, more there at uh, dognation.com and we will chat again very soon appreciate it ba take a look around the rest We've of the league the this is sec through i'm not hearing anything there we go uh now we're back and running here uh sec through transitioning there from our buddy uh, mike griffin let me just say this very quickly i am not willing to stipulate that alabama is better than georgia just not why would i why would i now that's not the same thing as saying i'm guaranteeing that georgia is going to beat alabama uh obviously i wouldn't do that because i got too much respect for your intelligence to guarantee something that we haven't seen these two teams played twice a year ago bama won once georgia won once uh obviously this is an ongoing battle that's been you know waged and it's going to probably continue to be waged uh for a few more years you would think at at least 
But the idea that, oh, well, uh, nothing you can do about Alabama. They're just the, the uh, best team in the country. Why is that true? I mean, it might be. It, it may end up being true. I mean, if you uh, picked Alabama to win the national championship, you've been right pretty frequently because they've won plenty of national championships. But this idea that before the year begins, well, I guess you just sort of know Alabama's better than Georgia, and I guess Ohio State probably is too. Why would any Georgia fan begin the season with that kind of concession to begin all of this? Simply not the case. Now, maybe it works out that way. Obviously, it's really hard to repeat as national champions. No one's done it in darn near a decade, I guess. I think it's been exactly 10 years, in fact. Uh, you know, no one's won the back-to-back national championships. So it's not an easy thing to do. But th- I think the correct posture for Georgia fans going into the season is simply to concede nothing, simply to assume nothing, simply to let it play out on the field and expectations being just as high right now as they were a year ago of course they should be and by the way probably in 2023 and 2024 the expectations will kind of remain the uh, same there on that there as well and yes i know they lost 15 draft picks but it's not like georgia lost like half dozen more draft picks than most national championships lose they may have had the most but it's not like the second most was like nine i mean you know uh most national champions in the playoff era have had about a half dozen first round picks and you know certainly you know high double digits over or not high double digits but you know double digit draft picks overall so while georgia may have technically had the most draft picks it's not like it's dramatically the most it's just not so uh if you're a georgia fan you have every right to begin the year i believe this year assuming that everything was on the table for you a year ago that no one seemed to think you're going to be able to win it's right back there for you uh, for this upcoming year there as well. Uh, kind of an interesting statement from Nick Saban we'll get to in a moment. Before that, though, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. Something else that fires me up, great savings right now from Royal Caribbean, a great chance for you this week. you got to take advantage of this this week. This week to get involved with a great deal. How about kids sale free? You want to take your family on a cruise vacation with you? Kids sale free opportunity. Obviously, a much easier way to do that. We might can bring that music down just a tiny slight bit. Um... But yeah, kids sale free, great opportunity to be able to do that. And also have a 30% off all the folks going on a sailing. Uh, Royal Caribbean's got that for you right now there as well. So a great vacation. You know, a Royal Caribbean cruise is that. And certainly a, a great deal makes it even better. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can get you going on this. So you can find them online, tcava.com. That's their website, tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. That'll get you going for our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. You can help you get some great savings when it comes to Royal Caribbean. All right, let me show you this. So uh, Nick Saban. <laughs> I guess it was on the McElroy and Kublik radio show. This is the uh, sports radio show uh, uh, over there in Birmingham. He makes an appearance there on that. And <laughs> Michael Carvel found the quote. He's going to show it to us on the screen here. Uh, you know, listen, I don't want to make too much of a quote when I wasn't listening to the interview. But uh, Saban saying, last year we had kind of a rebuilding year. <laughs> Funny, I don't remember anybody saying that going into last year. I don't remember it being sold as a rebuilding year. It's funny. Um... Look, Nick Saban is what he is. He's like everybody else. Like, he is is great. I got no problem telling you he's the greatest college football coach of all time. I got no problem with that. But he's like a lot of these Alabama fans. No matter how much he's won, all it takes is one loss to make him sound like a loser. And this is the perfect example of that, that no matter how much winning you have in your blood and your DNA, one loss sort of causes loser talk to kind of creep in. And Nick Saban's 
public statements after having lost the national championship, it's all basically just been loser talk. It's, oh, uh, it was a rebuilding year for us, you know. Oh, uh, we had injuries. Oh, uh, we lost because, you know, uh, bad apples who weren't bought into the team. Now they've moved on. A lot of scapegoating, a lot of blame game, a lot of stuff like that. Nick Saban is the all-time great. He is a winner, the likes of which that most of us could never even dream uh, of achieving in our own lives. And we'd be lucky for our favorite college ball team to even have a taste of what Saban has had. But after one loss to Georgia, he sounds like just like every other loser that's out there, you know, blaming something on somebody else, downplaying everything. And I don't want to make too much about one comment because I wasn't listening to the interview for the full context of it. But honestly, that's message board stuff. And Nick Saban doesn't sound any different than any one of these other Alabama fans spewing what they're constantly spewing. So uh, nonetheless, that's Nick Saban there from the McElroy and Kubelik radio show as uh, found by our uh, producer, Michael Carvel. Now, speaking of Alabama, they did get some good news yesterday. And this is where, you know, around here we have obviously partisan uh, beliefs. And, you know, we're you know clearly on the Georgia side of things here. But we also call balls and strikes. Alabama has been on quite a heater in recruiting. Now, you can't deny that. They have been on a heater and a half when it comes to recruiting as of late, including yesterday flipping away a pretty impressive um, uh, tight end commit from Ohio State. Ty Lockwood's his name. It's a pretty good you know, playmaking style tight end. A little bit interesting in the fact that Ohio State's actually dealt with a couple of high-profile decommits lately. The flip here to Alabama, they lost a the defense back the other day um so you know i said this with connor riley yesterday i think it's way too early to fully know what the exact narrative of the 2023 recruiting class is some of this is still evolving and sometimes it's sort of contradictory information for instance bama's very hot now that but you know there was a time in this 23 cycle when they weren't quite getting everyone they wanted especially along the offensive line that kind of comes to mind here on this but you can't deny it lately caleb downs the two running backs uh lockwood now the tight end they've been on a little bit of a uh, run as of late and you got to give them respect for that uh then there's this so yesterday uh, david cloninger who's actually been on our show before i think he's a good guy um he wrote a great story uh for i think it's the state he works for uh, one of the uh, newspapers over there in south carolina about and the headlines one of those things it's like you know mascot name change due to controversy and you're sort of primed and conditioned in this day and age to assume this must be some sort of like political thing or something like that and it couldn't have been any further from the truth like this is like just sort of old school sec southern drama about like two families fighting over this chicken and how the chicken looks and like what the chicken's name's going to be if it doesn't look the way the old chicken looked and like <laughs> this, this makes south carolina seem like a very odd place to be frank but I still just loved every minute of it. And for those of us, you, I may put a link to this when I post the show at dognation.com because it's really worth reading. It, to me, it's just funny. Um, and it's sort of the stuff we like about college football, right? It's like live chicken mascots and families who take care of the mascot, fighting with each other, almost like the Hatfields and the McCoys. And like, there's a one point in time where like the actual institution, the South Carolina Athletic Department, it's like, listen, the, the chicken doesn't belong to us. This is the, you know, the, this isn't our chicken. We don't get to say what the name of it is. And the reason why I guess they're fighting over the name is because there's this like, I don't even call it like a plumage or whatever you call it. Like basically like a thing on the head, like it's a bunch of hair type stuff. And the old people that owned it didn't think it should have that because it didn't look like a gamecock, like a true fighting chicken if it had this like stuff on its head. And these people wanted to leave it because it was more natural. And I guess it 
protect it from the sun. Honestly, I'm not an animal expert. I don't, I don't know. But it's just kind of a funny story. And it's sort of one of those things where, like, we're going to really kill each other if the offseason doesn't end soon. If you got South Carolina fans fighting over, you know, how a chicken looks and what to name the live chicken that stands there on the sidelines there for that. By the way, speaking of South Carolina, I thought they were rated way too low. They were like in the 50s of this CBS sports. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the show, they're sort of like power ranking 131 teams. That's how big FBS is now. I thought CBS was kind of way too low in all of this. The other thing that kind of jumped out to me, which I think is kind of interesting, is I don't think you can discount the Georgia schedule as a real weapon for the dogs here this year. This is just sort of one entity's opinion, CBS, just sort of being one group of folks weighing in on something. Um, But according to CBS, in the regular season, the highest rated team that Georgia will play is Oregon at 14th in their power pole. And then after that, the next highest rated team they'll play is Kentucky at 23rd. And the next highest rated team they'll play is Tennessee at 24. So according to CBS, if you just sort of take this rating seriously, Georgia only plays one team ranked inside the top 20, no teams ranked inside the top 10, and three teams ranked inside the top 25. For a team like Georgia, that's a real weapon. And it's the kind of thing that if you want to be at your best come December, obviously it's better to play a more manageable schedule to do that. Now, listen, that may also make for some boring Saturdays where Georgia goes in and there's really not a whole lot of intrigue and we'll end up arguing about, you know, garbage time, fourth quarter and how much the quarterback's getting to throw. I do realize there's a little bit of a downside to that from an entertainment standpoint. But if the goal here is to do what Georgia did a year ago in the national championship, and if you take CBS seriously at all, which is at least worth considering as a data point, y'all, that's a real weapon for Georgia. They are very likely to be. At one point in time, I thought they might be you know, a single-digit favorite either at Mississippi State or at Kentucky. The truth is, I think that's still pretty likely to be double-digit point favorite. That, that Georgia is going to be a double-digit favorite uh, and maybe as much as two touchdowns in every game that it plays here this year. Now, listen, they lost as a big favorite in South Carolina in 2019, so nothing's guaranteed. You'll hear me say that kind of a lot. Uh, but nonetheless, that's kind of how this is going right now that georgia finding itself in really a uh, a very good position in terms of the schedule gets that gets to play the cbs ranking kind of gives you an example of that we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean now i got something really cool i want to show you here in a moment before that though something else really cool i need to do we've been doing this all week long that's our kroger five star kids winners we've been announcing these winners and I got to tell you, you know, I got a chance to see some of these. Uh, we have other people on our team that see all of these. There is nothing more rewarding for the people that read these submissions um, than the stories we get to hear of like cool kids in our audience who are just doing good stuff. Like the thing that makes me so proud enough, I'll take listeners however I can get them, of course. But the fact we got so many like strong families who are doing stuff together, starting school and getting ready to go have a great year like i take so much pride in knowing that's what our audience looks like you know happy families doing good things taking care of kids kids you know growing up becoming fine young men and women that's just a good thing and that's what kind of our kroger five-star kids contest gives us a chance to celebrate including our winner today sam hampton who was nominated by his grandfather william hampton a rising senior at grayson high school active in his high school rotc program attended a national leadership competition in washington dc over the summer he's also active in his church he's mentoring students he's been on the tennis 
team. Um, he's also dual enrolled at Grayson and Maxwell High School of Technology. So you're talking about a smart guy here, there as well, getting ready for college. Uh, he wants to go to a four-year college, maybe be in the ROTC there. And also, how about joining the Army, becoming a pilot there, too? Don't you know we need good folks doing that? Well-mannered, his grandfather says, focused and compassionate. Indeed, the epitome of a five-star kid. Sounds like it indeed. And uh, thinking about serving our country, and boy, we need all that we can get. Sam Hampton seems like a great young man and a very fitting winner of our Kroger five-star kids for today. So congratulations to him there on that. We'll have more winners later on this week. And as you're getting ready to go back to school, as Sam is right now, you can check out your local Kroger related to all of that. The snacks you need, the the my kids eat so much. Um, uh, we got to have all that. School supplies, everything else. You can get that there at your local Kroger. All right, so let me do this. Um, yesterday was kind of a sad day. It's sort of an awkward transition when you kind of go from the sort of typical happy content to, to something that was uh, more serious. But it was really sad yesterday. And I mentioned this on video. We mentioned this in the podcast yesterday there as well, that the great former Georgia running back Lars Tate passed away way too soon. He was only in his 50s, uh, was battling cancer. Our, our buddy Chip Towers had a story on that at uh, AJC.com. And this just sort of floored me because when I was coming of age as a Georgia fan back when I was a kid, kind of mid-80s, like Lars Tate was my guy. And um, I don't know, you just sort of left a, a lot of heavy thoughts when something like this happens. And I showed this on Twitter yesterday. I want to show this to you. Pardon me for stepping away from the mic for a second. but So there was a time in the, in the Lars Tate era when the Buttsmere Heritage Hall was first open. Now, this is not like one of those things for like special donors, like anybody could do this there that day. And so I went with my grandparents to Athens that day. And if you're watching a video up here in the corner, it's always hard for me to kind of know how to point. But up here in the corner, that's me. I thank you for kind of zooming in on that. That's me with Lars Tate right there when I was just a kid. And, you know, people use the phrase where it sort of stops you in your tracks. Like, like going back and finding this yesterday because I knew I had this somewhere like this really stopped me in my tracks because I remember this day like it was yesterday going to Athens my grandparents took me uh, down the bottom you see me sitting in Vince Dooley's <laughs> this is back when Vince Dooley was still the coach of the team uh, I'm sitting in his chair in his office I'm kicked back and relaxed uh, my grandparents let me do that probably wasn't supposed to but they let me do that there that day uh, posing with Lars Tate I just loved this era of Georgia football the team wasn't as successful as obviously this team is now and it wasn't as successful as it has had been before I was kind of old enough to know what was going on but you couldn't have told me any different I just loved Georgia football back then. I loved this day getting to do that. And hearing the news about Tate yesterday made me think about the fact that, you know, my grandparents who took me to this event in Athens that day, they're no longer with me. And their son, my dad, he's not with me anymore either. And Lars Tate's not with us there as well. And as I mentioned, I'm younger in that picture than my son is now. It's like such a cliche to say, like, where does time go? But like, literally, where does time go? And I am just so thankful for like happy memories as a Georgia fan. I'm so thankful that Lars Tate, who didn't know me from anything, was so nice to me back then. Like, you know, a lot of these Georgia players, you never know like how much kids, I was one then, look up to a lot of you. But that was uh, the case. And I see Georgia players now doing this all the time. And it's so nice to see because I know how much that meant to me back when I was a kid. So I wanted to remember the life of Lars Tate. This was a very good football player. And 
was a good player in the NFL. Ended up having a little bit of an injury situation that cut his career short, but a second round draft pick, really one of the guys that made RBU sort of what it is. You know, in the kind of the post Herschel era, Tate was that guy. Shared some carries with Rodney Hampton in 87, but kind of had the team to him as kind of the lead guy in 86. Just a very good player and just gone way too soon. I know a lot of you felt the same way. I wanted to share that because. I don't know. It was just really heavy on my mind as of yesterday. So to the family and friends of Lars Tate, to those who knew him, we sincerely give our prayers to you and, you know, to all of Dog Nation. It feels like we've done this kind of thing too much in in recent years. And so to all of you, you know, let's cherish every memory. Let's enjoy every moment because nothing is unfortunately guaranteed. So uh, that heavy on our minds today. Now, once again, sort of awkward transition kind of back to our typical stuff here on that and obviously we love having fun around here and we love the chance to do that we appreciate our friends to finish long drink that let us do this and one of the things that we really enjoyed and have enjoyed the last few weeks is we'll do this again on friday we do our big finish courtesy the finish long drink so here's what i want you to do i want you to send me in and we had some great submissions for this last week i had so much fun if you're enjoying the finished long drink, if you're out there having a good time with that uh, this summer, tailgating season coming up here, doing that kind of stuff, wherever you're taking the finished long drink with you, we want to show you off and show all the fun that you're having as a part of our big finish coming up on Friday. So you may be hearing me right now saying, well, BA, I haven't tried the finished long drink yet. Well, good news is you can do that today. Thelongdrink.com is the website. You can go there and you can find out where you can pick some up long drink cranberry long drink strong you want the long drink traditional that's the blue can with the gin kick the uh, grapefruit flavor all of that available for you and you can find out where beverage store i was playing golf at east lake the other day i know i was a fancier course than i deserve but right there at the halfway house they got long drink along with all the other uh, uh you know great choices you got to finish long drink right there a lot of folks were enjoying that over there at the east lake the other day so you're playing golf it's there you're uh going on the lake it's there it can be um just great stuff so go try it if you have it the longdrink.com and if you are trying and you are enjoying it then let us know and we'll show you off coming up on friday as a part of our big finish the big finish presented by the finished long drink each and every friday right here on dog nation daily so uh, no golden shoe today. Just kind of wanted to kind of allow the the look back on um, a great fun era for those of us who were kids at that time of Georgia football to kind of be that version of that. And really excited about this current version of Georgia football, as we said before. Start to get a little fired up and ready to go for the upcoming season. Start to show a little teeth here related to what maybe is being said out there and a chance to kind of push back against some of that. And as Kirby Smart has said before, doing talking with your helmets, that's what the Georgia team wants to do. And they'll be doing that September 3rd. It's going to be here before you know it. Let me tell you who's not doing a whole lot of talking with their helmets right now. It's those lousy stinking Gators. About 4,955 days since they have won a national championship. And guess what? We're heading back to Jacksonville. We'll probably taking some finished long drink with us uh, for the cocktail party, but we're heading back to Jacksonville 87 days from right now, uh, enjoying a chance to beat down on the Florida Gators once again. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Management. We'll see you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at dognation.com. Our buddy Sacktown Inn, who asked a lot of good questions, asked one today. He says, what type of season would Alabama fan, or should say, what he asks is, what type of season would Alabama need to have for Tide fans to turn on Nick Saban? And I somewhat half seriously, half kiddingly joked back with him that the exact same season they had a year ago, and I kind of mean that, I think we've discussed this before, which is that 
you know, Bama fans' tolerance for losing isn't any greater because they've won so much. And when you look back at some of the stuff that's been out there about saving over the years, a couple of different books where, you know, whether it be considering stepping down in 2013 or, you know, going to, to Texas at one point in time, being head coach there, that a lot of the motivation for this kind of seems to be just sort of a dissatisfaction with the quality of life at Alabama where there's so much pressure to win and no amount of winning reduces that pressure really at all and so you know it's a lot of times it's like georgia fans or maybe even a show like this one every now and then that kind of talks about saban being 70 and kind of old or whatever else and alabama fans stick up for their coach but let him not make the playoff again this year now odds are they will make the playoff that's certainly the expectation but what if they didn't or what if they just didn't win the national championship again would you start to hear alabama fans saying about their coach and the same stuff you hear georgia fans saying about him from time to time i think you would because as I said before, you know, their expectations to win every year aren't lessened just because they have won so many years. And so that could be one of the really fun things about this season if Georgia is able to take down the tide once again, is that you could watch a little infighting start to creep into the Bama program. It was easy to sort of excuse make after just one loss to Georgia last year. But what if it happens again? All of a sudden now those excuses don't stick quite as well. And all of a sudden now you have to sort of if you're a Bama fan, seemingly grab for something a little more substantial to hold on to. And, you know, maybe it's about time for Nick Saban to, to think about stepping down and for us to find a coach and come in here and, you know, do what Saban hasn't done. Watch and see if that doesn't happen. I believe there would probably be some of that that would creep in. I think that's really interesting. All right. So a uh, good conversation. Thanks for being here for our podcast. Cool down every day uh, on dognation.com or on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. So we always think it's fun to have your comments because it makes this portion of the show really fun to do. So make sure you uh, provide those. If you've got something on your mind, I'll be happy to read it here during this portion of the show. And very happy to see you back here again tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pass Management. We'll look forward to talking to you then.